Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, this morning we're in the house of God, and we know your eyes are upon this place in a special way. You have promised where two or more are gathered in your name, you are present. So we pray for every person within the sound of my voice that they might hear your voice, that the, the words of truth might resonate in their hearts and that they might be convicted and that they might pursue you with their, all their heart, all their mind, and all their strength so that in you, their life which is hidden might be revealed. I give you thanks for the youth that are born out of the wombs of these women that are called to be world changers and not insignificant that are called to direct their generation in the affairs of this life and not just casual spectators watching life go by. I pray, Father, that you fill us with your spirit, that you fill us with understanding and wisdom, and that we might pursue your calling upon our lives, that which is known as vocation, the holy voice of God's call might come to the life of every family member here, Lord, and that they might rise up with understanding, with passion to pursue your will, which is good and perfect and acceptable, being transformed, renewing their mind and their priorities for the things of God. Give us a game plan. Give us priorities after your heart, Lord, that we might deny ourselves and lose our life for your sake, that we might obtain it for your glory. We pray, Father God, that you would do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we have prayed and asked. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen and amen. I, I'm serious. George Carroll, come up here, please. Uh, this is one of the guys who went with us to Orlando. Um, he's also uh, part of the What is a Man movie. I just want him to describe our two days in Orlando. It, we drove up there on Monday. I, I told the people on Wednesday the Lord did our first miracle when we got there at 1 o'clock at night after the men's meeting. We got at the hotel, and they separated. They put three, George, Jose Palma, and Jose Medieros in one room, all the snores in one room, and they gave me my room to myself. They said, sorry, Mr. Molina, one of the rooms only has one king-size bed. The other one has three beds. So the Lord did a miracle. He just put all the snores, and I, I couldn't hear myself, so I didn't hear anybody snoring. But, but the room next door had an all-out orchestra, you know. They had a trombone, the trumpet. Uh, they were snoring loud. John Deere tractors there. George, tell us about uh, our visit to Orlando, the National Religious Broadcasters. Well, the, the trip was amazing. Um, you know, we continue to, God continues to bring people down our path that are super touched by the, the word that God has given us to edify the body of Christ by lifting up the countenance of men through the character of Christ. And um, pretty much everybody that we spoke to that saw the video, they were on board, man. And it's just like Pastor said, we didn't really go there crazy booth to booth but just allowed the people that God has already brought to our lives for their testimonies to be the influence and the and the door openers to what God wants to do with this program 
And, and it was amazing just to see it was one after another after another. And each person that we sat down with, they were all just super impressed by the quality of the video, the message that was coming out of the video. You know, Pastor is, he's intense, man. So everybody that we sat down with, you know, most of the guys would come back and be like, okay, I'm sure you already got to know him because he doesn't, he doesn't skip a beat with words. And you know what? We don't have any time to skip a beat. We really don't. We need to make sure that every conversation that we're in is edifying the body of Christ. Because the truth is that we don't know whether that person will be here tomorrow or whether you will be here tomorrow. So God is giving us divine appointments for us to be able to share what we have. And it's glorious, man. And I'm telling you, these guys that are in the TV world, and this is all they do, and it's a very, um, um, you know, financial moved industry, believe it or not, even though it's a Christian world, but it's still the media, and the media is a very powerful po tool that is being used worldwide. But even through that, we were still able to go in there and really give them what we have, man. And what we bring has nothing to do with money, but it has to do with the riches and the glory that come from heaven. Which is the ability to raise up champions and have them champion their marriages, their children, their house, their marketplaces. And I believe that God is preparing us. And I'm telling you, the men that are in this church, you guys got to get ready. Because we're not, pastor can't do it all. And there's doors opening worldwide. And they're asking for us to send men over there with testimonies that can help them do what we're doing. Guys are super impressed by the army that we have here. As a matter of fact, David Kern came here Monday night about two, three weeks ago. And when he got back to his church, he told his pastor, yo, I want a couple men because I want to do what these guys are doing there Monday night. And that's super powerful. So the trip was amazing. I saw God's hand move through the whole floor. And we just saw the, the faithfulness of God and opening up doors to share the vision that God has given us. And I'm excited and I, I can't wait to see it fulfilled. Thank Amen. you, Pastor. Hallelujah. Years ago, the Lord spoke to us very emphatically that we needed to make room for his agenda in our life. If you're a man and want to be participant of what's going on, ask God. Ask God to set you free from that, that existence of non-participating. Some, some guys, well, pastor, my finances don't allow me to travel with you. Ask God. Ask God, Lord, provide for me so that I can go with pastors, so that I can champion this team. Um, like George says, there's no way that I can do this alone. When the church started 19 years ago, the Lord gave me 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, where it says, uh, give to faithful men that are able to teach others. Look what it says. The things that you have heard. If you're hearing these things and you're seeing them, commit them to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. So I knew that what God was giving me, he would give me faithful men to be able to teach other men. It wasn't going to be myself. And so through the years, there have been men who have been at my side, um, and they're, they're powerful champions. And when they open their mouth, they open up with wisdom. They open up their hearts with truth. Their lives speak louder than their words. And these are faithful men who are able to teach others also. What are they teaching? The things that they hear and the things that they see. So ask God to set you free. And, and at one time, 
uh, as I was practicing law uh, in my law firm, I was like, Lord, if only I'll work six months out of the year so you bless me financially, and then six months of the year I'll give to you, Lord. How many think that's a great game plan? Lord, if you bless me financially six months, then the next six months, because you bless me, I'm going to serve you. You know what the Lord did? Exceedingly, abundantly above. 12 months out of the year, I'm serving God. Because he's able to answer your prayers way above what you're asking. And if they're sincere and they have to do with his plan, he answers them. Trust me, he does. And, and so we're excited. We're having lunch there on Tuesday. Expensive meal at the hotel there where the convention was, at the convention center. It must have been at least $25 per person. So it was six of us because we invited somebody, us five and one guy. And, and all of a sudden, the table right next door, this guy who owns Zion Oil and Gas, he drills for oil in the Middle East. He says... I don't know why, but something's telling me I have to pay for your lunch. I said, yeah, absolutely. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you that we're rich in you, Lord. Thank you that Jesus Christ died for our sins and we have eternal salvation. Thank you for the reality of the kingdom of light. Thank you for truth that establishes so that we're not in chaos and confusion. Father, bless your word this morning. Allow us to see farther than what we can see. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet, that we not stumble in the path because you make a way where there is no way. We give you thanks for family and your purpose for our wives and our marriages and our children to enjoy God's design and creation. Thank you, O oh God, that your word is like the bread of life that nourishes our spirit, without which no man can live. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Thank you that you nourish and that you cultivate a spirit that's attractive to you, Lord. We pray, Father God, that your word would be a double-edged sword, that it would make a decision, a crossroads, a transition, if you will, in our lives, so that we can choose the better things. Thank you for the contrast of light and darkness. Thank you for a pursuit of your will in this life. Transform our thinking, Lord, and give us a vision for the things above. We pray, Father God, that your word would reveal your purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The Lord starts every relationship by knocking on the door. And so that first knock, it always is inquisitive to us. Well, who's there and what do they want? And at 16 years of age, the Lord came knocking on the door of my heart. And he asked me if I would invite him to come in. And I thank God that I did. I said, Lord, I need you. I, I knew I needed something to show me the way. And I opened the door and Jesus Christ was standing there with news about my life. He had given me 1 Corinthians 2.9, which it says, no eyes have seen. No ears have heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. This was the verse that allowed me to come to Jesus Christ. I was interested in seeing the things God had prepared for me, hearing the things he had prepared for me, knowing in my heart the things God had prepared for me. 
So I set my heart on learning what it was to love him because I, had, I didn't have love in my heart. Uh, I, I was full of selfishness. When you're full of your own ways, that's opposite of love. That's why you can't love your wife. That's why your wife doesn't enjoy your marriage because it's selfish. That's why your kids don't enjoy the family. That's why you don't enjoy your kids because they're selfish. But once we are introduced to the cross of Jesus Christ and deny ourselves, we become followers of Jesus Christ and we begin to see revealed. Uh, I'm excited, you know, in the life of my children who now are all past, um, well in after their teenage years, they're starting to say, not my will. That's a powerful um, uh, expression for man. In other words, God, not what I want, but what you want. How many know what God wants is a lot better than what we want? Absolutely. And, and so many, many go out looking for what they want. Uh, I was at a little league this week. I was visiting Pastor Kenny and his son, David, who were playing little league. And, and right in front of me was a woman and her husband and their baby of six months. And they were cheering for their 10-year-old boy, the older boy, um, Derek. I'll still remember his name because they were like, go, Derek, go. And Derek was a catcher, and he's, he's, he's checking the bases. And everybody's on the base, but he's doing his thing. You know, he's checking, making sure nobody dares to steal. And they're greeting Derek, and they're cheering. And I was going, go, Derek, too. I was like, go, Derek. And, and he's out there. The game was over. They had played the best team in the league, and when we're walking to the cars, I see Derek going from an older man, about 35, to his mom, to the older man, the first marriage of his mom, back to his mom, who has another marriage, who's carrying now a six-month-old baby, and Derek is caught between two families. And I'm saying this is a result of a woman who married a guy, had a child, and then broke off, and now she has another family, and now Derek is torn between two lovers. He's, 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 and this is chaos, and this is confusion. And God did not create for us to live in that world. But when a woman runs ahead on her own selfishness, a man runs ahead on his own lust, and they have a child without knowing God's plan and family, now they have a broken family. And in God's purpose is that God has a design for us. From the time he knocks on our heart, he says, I have a way on how you're to do life. I thank God every day because I would have had like three Derricks. I would have had three children out of wedlock. I would have had three women across town. I have friends that have that happening in their lives and experience. Their life is full of confusion and chaos. They don't know why. But the why of it is when God comes knocking on your door and you say, no, not yet. I'm not ready for your purpose and your plans. I have my own desires, my own priorities. So you run ahead of them. And when all that comes to shambles, then you ask God, why? And he says, because you didn't do it my way. Revelations 3.20 has a picture and an illustration of this standing at the door. And today, for some of you, God is standing at the door and he knocks. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into your life and I will be with you and you with me. I want to say that I am privileged. I'm, I'm, I, my life is a treasure that for the last 34 years, I've done it God's way. I've had a heart and an ear to hear about God and, and, and pretty much put my plans aside for his plans. So there it is. He stands on the door and knocks. If anyone opens, that's, that includes everyone, right? 
If anyone hears my voice on the other side of the door and opens, who's there? Knock, knock. Who's there? Jesus. Jesus is there. Do you say come in or stay out? And from that vantage point, I want to jump all the way clear unto eternity. This is one of the fascinating things of the Bible. You could be here now, and in a blink of an eye, we're in eternity. What is the vision God gives us for eternity? Verse 21. Not only does he stand at the door and knock, and if you hear and you let him in, he'll come in and dine with you. But if you become victorious in this invitation, if you, if you run this race like it's supposed to happen, his purpose for your life and your wife and your marriage and your family is to sit upon his throne. Amen. The end of this Knock, knock, who's there? Jesus. To him who is victorious, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. I want to suggest to you, if you're sitting on the throne, you are governing with Christ. You are reigning with him. That means you're no Joe Schmo. You now represent the kingdom because that's who he places upon thrones. I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I have overcome and sat with my father on his throne. You're following my footsteps. You're going to end up where I have ended up. Revelations 2, the chapter before, verse 26, he sends the, the, the message to the church and he says, if he who is victorious in these matters and keeps my work my works until the end. He who is consistent with my game plan and with my purpose and doesn't get distracted and is not distorted, to him I will give authority over nations. I'm going to be able to rise up. Listen, you guys don't know what it is to walk into Argentina and they, they parade you through a host of thousands of men saying this man represents God. He represents the kingdom of God. He's a true son of the Most High. Same thing happens in Ecuador, in Peru. It happens in Poland. I'm sure that every nation that sees us coming into them, they're asking us to come into Norway, to Sweden, to India. We've been in Switzerland. We've been in South Africa. Who is sufficient for these matters? Who is sufficient? There's one young man I met at the NRB. His name is Kyle Thompson. What a fascinating young man. Listen to his training. Ready? He was 19 years old and he's in college. He gets his degree. And the Lord says, are you willing to follow me? And he says, yes, Lord. He goes, okay, I don't want you to do anything for 10 years except answer the phones at your church. And you feel how stupid and what a waste of time he goes lord are you sure 10 years yes are you obedient are you willing to answer the phone for 10 years at your church he says lord anything for you i lost my life it's in christ i want to be your slave your servant so he sits there for 10 years. Hello, this is hello, this is Kyle Thompson. Hello, this is Kyle Thompson. Hello, this is Kyle Thompson. Today, after the 10 years, I was able to meet him. Now he's partner with Mel Gibson and Randall Wallace, and he did Braveheart and Secretariat, and he's done movies that have changed the world. And now they hire him because he's the only guy that's able to champion the phone to get to high executives, to garner millions of dollars to do movies for Jesus Christ. 
Kyle Thompson is a champion. We don't understand the ways of God. They're foolishness to them that don't know God. But for those who are able to sit in a place establishing the faithfulness, he says, Pastor, the only thing I learned in those 10 years was I was to be absolutely obedient. And God would show us the way. Now, if you're immature, you cannot do this. Ecclesiastes 10.16 says, A child is a curse to a nation. When a man is not mature, he can't man a post because he's unstable in all his ways. He's inconstant. He doesn't speak the right words. He doesn't uh, think the right thoughts. He's, he's restless and immature. And so in different realms of your life, as a child, you're being trained up to be a king. And if you don't understand that, you lose your training. When you're in school and you're getting in trouble with your teachers, I know that doesn't apply in Miami because we have obedient, good students. No, if you're not championing this period of your life by conforming to obedience and learning the lesson of wisdom, you cannot be useful in the master's hands. So woe to you, O land, when your king is immature, when your princes want to have a good time up front, the princesses feast in the morning. You're not supposed to feast in the morning. Your feasting is a consequence of your harvest. You work first, then feast. No, these guys want to wake up and play Nintendo. They want to play station. They, they want to be in video games. They don't want to mature. They don't want to put past these matters. Paul tries to tell the church this in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Do you not know that God is about to give you a place where you're going to be his representative upon the earth? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge even the small matters? If God is preparing you to sit upon his throne, uh, truly he's preparing you with other matters to see how you use your discretion. You use your wisdom. You are able to champion the call God has put upon your life. Now, not many people want to be champions for Christ. They have championed the ways of the world they walk in vulgarity. They walk in repulsive behavior. I, I, I once read uh, nobility. I, I thought nobles were snobs. I was like, what well, nobility? You know, these guys who, who sit upon the thrones of monarchs. And if you were to study profoundly, you go to go into their, from the time they're born, they're being taught out of a book. The principles and ethics of monarchs, of nobility, what it is to be noble, what it is to take a throne one day, what it is when you're going to sit in a place of prominence, like Paul says, do you not know you're going to judge the world? Verse 3, he continues, not only the small matters you're going to judge, but you'll sit and judge the angels. How much more the things that pertain to life? If you're not able to have the wisdom to rule, it starts as a child in training, it goes into maturity in in what's called your peers, but then you sit upon a place where you are an authority having people under you that enjoy your leadership, that enjoy your wisdom. The Queen of Sheba says, how blessed are those who sit under your rule because it's refreshing to have a leader like you. And you start out with your wife. Your wife is the first subject. She must be submissive to your leadership. Do you do it with an iron fist? 
Do you say you're going to punch her in the head? You're going to punch a wall, kick a door? That's how you lead? Are you kidding me? As I read these books unto nobility, I was reading that these are the people that know how to deal with barbarians, with savages. They're able to go into Congo, into Africa, and not offend other nations. That's what nobility is. You're able to go there with a, a presence of peace and refreshing so that you can partner with savages. You don't go in there and kill everybody like the Spaniards do. Nobility is to negotiate and to be able to communicate effectively so they feel you're coming in as a blessing. You're coming in as a refreshing of provision. And so God is saying, we're going to judge uh, matters upon the earth. We're going to judge angels. We're going to walk in prominence. Verse 4, if then you have decisions concerning things pertaining to this life. Do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? Are we going to give the responsibility to lead to those who don't have the spirit of God? To those that don't have wisdom? To those who have not seen the light? To those that aren't part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Kingdom of joy, peace, and righteousness? Are we going to allow somebody else to take the place of leadership? I want to suggest this morning that God... Not only knocks on the door inviting to come in, but his preparation for you is to be a champion to rule the nations. Amen. His preparation, there's no lie, is to be able to sit in front of Polish people and listen to them talk for two hours without understanding a word. And then standing up and being able to be a blessing to them in the words you know how to speak as they try to translate as they try to bring forth your thoughts and your judgments. People, do you imagine what would have happened to me if I would have walked into Poland at the age of 16? It would have been reckless. It would have been wild. I wouldn't have been able to teach matters concerning the kingdom. I had nothing to offer. Ephesians 2.12 says, At the time we were without Christ, we were strangers. We were aliens from the knowledge of the things of Israel, strangers from those covenants of promise, having no hope. You imagine coming up to me who is halfway suicidal at the age of 16, not seeing any way out, and somebody asked me, hey, what's your, what, what are we going to do together? You, you, you're, you're my bright mentor. I would have said, come on, let's go shoot ourselves. Let's go kill ourselves. Because I had no hope. I had no future. I had not seen a vision of being a prince of God upon the earth. I didn't have a, a vision of knowing God's purpose for my life. Listen, I want to say something. From the time a child is 10 years old, he has the capacity to start being serious. God did not call him to be the class clown. That's who I was. Instead of being like Jesus Christ, he says, I must be about my father's business at 12. David says, I'm going to knock this giant's head off because he's defying the God of Israel. So these young men, and I see them in the life of James and Brian and, and Daniel Lopez. I'm seeing 10 and 12-year-olds that are standing up strong for Jesus Christ. Men that know their destiny, know their call, are hearing these words resonate in their hearts that God has not called them to be fools. If you have a 16-year-old son and he's still the school clown, you better take that serious. You better not blow that off as something that's just a part of his immature age. Because by now at 16, 
He should be able to stand strong and be a leader in his class. And Wellington Boone comes down to Nick in his senior year, and he says, Nick, are you the class president? And my older son, Nick, was like, no, I never even thought about being part of that leadership in government. He goes, then why are you not? Why aren't you taking those places of leadership and holding yourself out to be those that God has called? And so Nick started moving in that direction. And Joshua moved a little bit closer. And, and, and Brandon was uh, the king of prom. He was the actual man that the school says, you know, this is the guy we want to be the leader over our class. Because our sons began to move in the place of responsibility. Today, they pastor the college group, the younger group, and the youngest group. Three sons manning the post, governing. Today, Brandon is teaching Sunday school. That's unheard of in our family line. I was 21, and I was a fool. I had not understood the ways of God. 21, and I started hearing that we would judge angels. We, would, we were aliens having no hope, and we didn't have God in this world. That's, that was part of our reality. But now God brings us into the kingdom, and Matthew 10, 40 begins to show, anyone who receives me receives the one who sent me. That means if you're serious about Jesus Christ, you take God serious. If you're not serious about Jesus Christ, uh, he, he said these words, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. These are, these are orders of authority, the one that sent Jesus and then Jesus, and then us. If you receive me, you receive the one who sent me. And anyone who receives you, receives me. These are three realms of authority. Listen, God, Jesus, and you. And we have to understand that those who are receiving us are under us. And so those who know God take Jesus Christ super serious. And those who take Jesus Christ super serious will represent him. And they'll, they'll, the, those that receive us are actually saying, we, we got time in our schedule to hear the words you have to say, to allow you to come into our lives. Verse 41, listen how it goes. He who receives a prophet, because he's a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. A prophet is one that is above man. He comes as from the message from God. A lot of people are dismayed. They're like, I don't understand why everybody comes to your church. And for the last 19 years, they're listening to you. They're not listening to me, my friend. They're listening to God's heart in me. Amen. They're, they're honoring that. They're, they're able to hear words that they're not hearing from man because they're not serving man. And so whoever receives a messenger of God because he's a messenger will receive the reward of the messenger. And then it goes on to say, he who receives a righteous man, and a righteous man is someone that's on our level. Because part of God's game plan is not only that we have a, a, a wholesome relationship with him, we're interacting with God in a manner which is healthy, but now God calls us to have a relationship with our peers, with those who walk at our side. And some of you guys are horrible team players. You don't know how to work with others. And if you don't know how to work with others and he's putting together a kingdom and a team of world changers, you're not going to be part of the team because there's no I in team. There is no, you can't say, well, I don't like this and I would rather and I, there's no I in team. 
So he says, he who receives a righteous man in the name of that man being a peer shall receive the reward of those who know how to work with shoulder to shoulder. If you say, I'm a lone ranger, I'm a renegade, I work with nobody, I only believe in myself, you're not on the team. You got to break down those barriers of selfishness. And, and how would you like this? And we said this one time. Um, how would you like me to serve you? I think we should put, and I think we should this, and I think, well, when did you ever think to do it in a manner that you serve those you work with? Because you've never seen anyone argue with an opinion coming from the opposite direction. Uh, there are people, um, this is, I think we should meet at 9. No, I think we should meet at 10. No, at 11. No, at 12. There's, there's not going to be a meeting. Because somebody has to receive a righteous man so they get a righteous man's reward. Not only dealing with those authorities above us, but that relationship of peers. But look what it says in verse 42. He who receives one of these little ones... Even if it be a cold cup of water in the name of a disciple, those that are underlings. So I have a right relationship with those that are over me. This is what God is perfecting, my relationship with God. I have to hear his voice. I have to attend to him. Those that are team workers, righteous man, peers, and those who are these little ones. If I have a proper relationship of those under me, and I say to you, he shall by no means lose or reward. What do you have with all this uh, a reward from heaven, a reward on the earth, a reward as a leader because you know how to give the next generation what you've received? And so this is what God is teaching us. This is what makes us champions. To be able to be a servant of Christ, to be able to receive a prophet, to be able to work with a righteous man and, and see a little one speaking to each realm of authority in right relationship, in healthy relationship. You know who can't do this? A lot of time Hispanic people can't do this. They come from such a messed up world that these little punks, you guys know them? They want to rule the house. Well, if you guys don't do this for me, then I'm not going to do my homework. Oh, Really? Really, that you're the one that's telling us what needs to happen? You know something? Your son's never going to amount to anything because he doesn't know how to honor his mother and father. He doesn't know how to be a champion and exercise prosperity and success by adhering to the word of God. So the word of God from beginning to end is preparing us to champion life. And if I've told many young people, if look what it says in Proverbs 20, 20, If at a young stage of development... You're cursing your mom and you're arguing with your dad. Your lamp will be put out in deep darkness. You're not going to be able to lead anybody because you can't even see your next step. One of the things that has allowed my son to enjoy prosperity is he made a decision at 13. Anything my dad says, that's what I'll pursue. I'm going to honor this man. I'm going to obey him even though I don't see it. I'm not going to argue with him. That's a big blessing, people. It's a big blessing for me as his father, but it's a greater blessing for him as he inherits everything God has for him. And he could stand up at the age of 20 and have no regrets and not have gone off a cliff because the lamp has been put out in deep darkness. In these realms of, of different development, each one of us here this morning are in different stages of this right relationship. I, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter if you are that messenger 
that is coming with a message, if you're not doing it in the proper light, you're not going to establish your purpose. If you're a peer and you're working with a team of people and you haven't learned how to correlate and communicate and participate and serve, you don't play the game. There's no place for you on the team. I remember one of the best players of all times was put uh, out on the field and he wouldn't listen to the coach and play with none of the players. His, his coach says, come here, you're going to sit on the bench. And he said, why? I'm the best player. He's because you play alone. You don't play. You're not, you're not part of the team. You, you don't even know what the coach is saying. You don't listen to anybody. You're so good, so talented, but you're not useful to obtain the reward. And so there it is. Um, God is speaking to us clearly with respect to these matters. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning and to give thought to what you hear, to give thought to, to where you are in the development of preparation to be God's champion. The greatest curse that could ever be seen is a wayward man, a wayward woman, a wayward family, wayward finances. Somebody who's telling me, Pastor, I don't even know what to do with my money. Do it God's way. Begin to give God what is his. Begin to order your effects in a manner which is a blessing. Otherwise, you will obtain all the prosperity to your own destruction. It won't be part of peace. It won't be part of purpose. It won't allow you to enjoy the provisions of God for your life. You're chasing other things. So this morning, we say, God, we need you. We need, if you have this game plan for us to sit upon your throne, to sit and govern and rule and receive rewards in heaven, on earth, and over the demons and principalities, over these dominiums of darkness, that you establish us in wholesome relationships in these three areas. That we know how to honor and respect those you have sent and appointed over us. That we can distinguish and know those that you have set shoulder to shoulder as our peers. That we have proper attendance, proper participation, communication. That we have the excellence of wisdom to connect. And then those that are underneath us, the little ones. That if we give a cup of water and we refresh them we also will receive great return, reward. And this will go not only to our life, but to our children's life, to our grandchildren's life, as we establish your kingdom and government upon the earth. Father, for some of us, this is far gone, and we can't see ourselves even leading our homes. With man, this is impossible. With you, all things are possible. Give us a teachable heart. Give us a meek and humble spirit that we might walk in these things in a manner which honor and glorifies your name. Thank you for the knock on the door. Thank you that we've opened the door and you've come in. But allow us to be victorious and overcomers to sit upon your throne as you have sat upon your father's throne and to rule the nations and to participate in your government and represent your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God say amen, amen, and amen.